0: Crickets, that's our word of the day. It is Wednesday, December sixth. Kudos to Coca for the sound effects. Those were crickets for those of you not able to discern that sound. It's the sound of silence. The winter meetings in Nashville are going to end today. And are they going to end with a thud with nothing happening? Total despondency by the commissioner's office, by league partners with 28 hours of coverage and live from the winter meetings, companies spending money to send their people there, teams spending money to send their people there all looking around and saying, Verdugo, that's what we got? Huge trade, live from the winter meetings. Alex Verdugo got traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees. Who cares? Oh, but it could be the beginning of a trade. They're going to spin him and get Soto. No, they're going to keep him and put him and Soto in the outfield with Judge and then Stanton as DH. This is amazing. What about the pitchers they got? None of it is enough to get my attention or your attention, but something did happen yesterday that was fantastic in its idiocy, which is our specialty on nothing personal. You know who the president of baseball operations is for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Andrew Friedman came from Tampa. He has a GM named Brandon Gomes. You may remember that name. But the real story is Shohei Ohtani and Shohei Ohtani's desire along with his agent to make his free agency a very secretive process. The media starving for anything is beginning to get upset about the lack of news, the lack of column inches, the lack of podcast minutes. So Buster only wrote an article, how bad it is for baseball that there is this veil of secrecy, shroud of secrecy over the Otani sweepstakes. You knew as fans of nothing personal, it would be the opposite of Carla Palooza when Carl Pavano was a free agent or the opposite of a free agency where there is a player who has an interest in being extremely public. Shohei has never been that. There are very few Japanese players. We haven't heard much from Yamamoto, have we? We've just heard all the teams who are in. People are very much undervaluing Shohei Otani and the fact that he's Japanese. The fact that he wants things to be secret is not because he's trying to not give MLB news or be the focus. The reason is that in his mind, he's going about his business and that's it. And if you ask a team to please have a confidential meeting, you stick to that except through your leaks. Yesterday, we saw the Cubs start leaking out that they're no longer going to get Otani, so that all the fans understood that Otani would not be a Cub. So therefore, lower your expectations and move on. When you're told by the agent that, You need to match this dollar amount and this year amount, and you know you're not going to do it. Leak it, done, end of story. On the other hand, if you feel as though you have a competitive offer and you believe that you are going to get the player or should get the player, you have every right, and normal teams will, leak it because you want to build up to the crescendo that ends with the announcement. But what you don't do is address any negotiations that you're doing while you're doing them. That's not just Otani. It's not wise to acknowledge negotiations during a negotiation. The reason it's not wise is not because the player says don't do it or the owner says don't do it. It's that you never want to give one ounce, one little scintilla of leverage over to the other side where they can look at your words, examine your words, and maybe the words that you say through your GM or through your president or through your manager, give away a position or give away a desperation. If you're the San Francisco Giants, you're telling Otani's agent, I don't have money for Yamamoto and Bellinger and Otani. I want one. I'm not going to wait much longer for you. If you are the Dodgers, you're doing the same thing. You don't wanna be held in neutral while waiting for your number one choice. You're willing to be held for a while, but not forever. Part of the winter meetings is this media availability for managers. GM, sometimes presidents. Dave Roberts is the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, the World Series winning during the COVID short season, but no other season. But they win the division every year, but one when they lost to the San Francisco Giants, but still won over 100 games. Manager of the Dodgers. Was asked about Shohei Ohtani, and he actually commented. He acknowledged a meeting between the Dodgers and Ohtani. And the media starved for any information, was super excited about that because they got to write, not as a source, not we're hearing that the Dodgers are a finalist. You now have someone whose name is associated with the quote. He said, I would like to be honest. So we met with Shohei. I don't feel like lying is something that I do. Whatever. I was asked a question and to be forthright in this situation, we kept it quiet. But I think it's going to come out at some point that we met. NSS, baby. Everything's going to come out once Otani signs. Because once Otani chooses, the losers, A, are going after the other players. But B, they are going to explain why they didn't sign Otani. Not because Otani didn't like the minor league system, the school system, and the stuff I've told you that is all complete horse hockey. They're going to come out and say... The reason why we didn't get Otani, it was clear to us that Otani always preferred blank, and the blank gets filled in by the team he signs with. It was always clear that he wanted to be a blank. We wanted to be part of the process, and we were in it to the very end. That's what the teams will say. The problem is. That the teams who are in on Otani are trying to respect the fact that Otani wants to keep it quiet and Buster only notwithstanding, I have no problem with the player wanting to keep it quiet. It's bad for business, I agree. It's bad for media, columnists, podcasters. but he wants to keep it quiet. No problem. But then the GM of the Dodgers was interviewed and was not happy, visibly not happy that Dave Roberts had said something to the point that Dave Roberts, after he said something, was basically disciplined and then had to come back and say more stuff about, hey, I didn't wanna lie and hey, what's the big deal? Everyone knows we met. When your manager meets the media at the winter meetings, prior to the scheduled time, because it's always a scheduled time, the PR people come into the suite, Because they don't spend all the time in the suite during the course of the day because you're doing baseball stuff and the PR people aren't in there. But before the media availability, the PR people come into the suite, they sit with the GM. All right, what do you got today? What are we going to talk about? All right, you're going to talk about these three things. Here's what we're going to say. By the way, you're going to be asked about this fourth thing. Make sure you have an answer. And if you don't want to answer it, just say, I'm not going to comment on that right now. How many times do we see that? I have no comment. Did you meet Shohei Otani? I really don't want to talk about that. Are you sure you didn't meet Shohei Otani? I really don't want to talk about that. No problem. So, Dave Roberts and the Dodgers are in this crazy situation where they violated the trust of Shohei Otani. So, now what the writers are saying, bless their souls, and what the fans are saying is ah, if Otani doesn't go to the Dodgers, damn that Dave Roberts, it's because of him. Well, Dodgers fans, Awake at 5 a.m. for a live broadcast of nothing personal. If Shohei Otani does not sign with the Dodgers, it will have, say it with me, zero to do with Dave Roberts acknowledging that he met Shohei Otani. Zero. So get it out of your mind. Ignore what you're reading, thinking, or feeling. That is not in his calculation. So, what is his calculation? Quality of the team, quality of the location, quality of the money. We've got people, Jeff Passen going on ESPN. It looks like it's going to be 10 years, $600 million. If there is a team that gives Shohei Otani 10 years and $600 million, tip your cap, say, Congratulations, have fun, good luck, see you later. The only team that should be giving him 10 years, $600 million, is the team that he promised he'd stay with and that promised that he would get a contract, and that's the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. But we're going to find out. There's a lot of other announcements that are being made at the winter meetings, like the Rule 5 draft today, which is a draft where you can take a player who's not protected by an organization. You can bring him onto your major league team, and if he stays there the whole year, you get him. If not, you give him back, and you only pay 50 grand, that's brilliant, except the players available at the Rule 5 are really not gonna be major league ready. Once in a while, you have an exception. Hello, Danny boy, my main man, Danny Ogla, but it's very, very rare. There are some good Rule 5s, but the Rule 5 draft is always the end of the winter meetings the GMs and presidents would leave the winter meetings the night before the Rule 5. You leave other people there to do the Rule 5, you get home, and then the Rule 5 happens, and that is the official end of the winter meetings. This year, they're doing the Rule 5 today, which is the end of the winter meetings. So for everyone who's waiting for the Shohei Otani press conference at the winter meetings, not going to happen. Baseball is pretty upset about this and I've got a solution, and my solution was one that was given to baseball and discussed in committee meetings, talked about with the union, and shut down, 4869, and shot down. Why not make December 6th the deadline for off-season free agent signings? <gasps> no way. Would you ever do that? Could you have an off-season deadline the way you have a during-season trade deadline? Why the heck not? I think it would be brilliant. You want to own the day, the two days, the three days, the week? Then you make sure stuff happens. You don't pray to your God and say, please do something. Make sure there's news so we don't get overshadowed by the in-season tourney or the NFL week whatever week it is. What week is it, Coca? 14, 13? Did you know yesterday? What would be wrong? Just before I end that point, let me make it in a very concise way in case Coca wants to make this a tick. Here we go. I know exactly how to make the winter meetings. No, we'll do that again. 4869. I know exactly how to make the winter meetings exciting. Make sure that every free agent has to sign by the end of the winter meetings. And if not, they can't sign till two weeks into the regular season. All right, you can clip that. That's 15 seconds, 10 seconds, maybe even five seconds. Did you know yesterday was the lottery? The draft lottery. Did you know Major League Baseball has a draft lottery? Can you imagine the level of crickets from the MLB? Don't say the before MLB. Can you imagine the amount of crickets from major league baseball's draft lottery yesterday. Did you know the Cleveland Guardians won and they've got the first pick? Did you know that they had a very small percent chance of winning and did you know that they pull ping pong balls and they have numbers of combinations and you've got to get the right four numbers that are assigned to the right team and certain teams have more four-number combinations than other teams except the Washington Nationals who won the lottery, can't win the lottery because they pay into revenue sharing. You aware of any of this? Does it matter? you care? I have a th- sort of thought for you on this. Did you know that San Diego and the and the Mets and the Yankees are losing 10 slots in the draft because of how irresponsibly they run and how far they go over the luxury tax? Because that's a huge penalty. No. Major League Baseball's draft can never be a thing. We're not bringing it to vegas we can't make it a two-day event the lottery can't be this thing that interrupts the playoff game like in the nba where they do the nba draft lottery during the conference finals on tnt or espn and everyone is locked in because you want to know who gets the number one pick and you've got the sticky envelope and all those things that bring wemby to san antonio and it beca- and new into new york and it becomes a segment on nothing personal you're ready for it you know about it MLB's draft lottery, I don't care. It's not that I don't care, I love the draft, it's the best way to get talent, don't get me wrong. From a media standpoint, doesn't matter. I can give you the top 20 expected picks in Major League Baseball's draft. Get back to me in three years. All right, one of you asked a really good question because the other big news out of the winter meetings, which was full of coca, can you play that again? I love that. Crickets. But there was very big news out of Anaheim. And for all the people who are following baseball and following Shohei Ohtani, one of you asked the question, "Coca, You know what I want? Ah, 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 ah. I want to
2: talk to Samson.
0: So you want to talk to Samson. Get into my Twitter at David P. Samson or get on davidsampsonpodcast.com. All the merchandise for holidays, buy now so you have it ready. Put it under the tree. Put it over the menorah. We've got nothing personal, diamond logo, full logo. Plus, there's some great shirts from No Chance Toilet Pants to Horse Hockey to wait to see. Just so you want to talk to Samson. All sorts of different accessories and things you can buy, stickers. And there's great discounts. And I don't mean Samson Sucks or Pablo's an asshole. I'm talking about regular discounts. So you can buy it. This is the time to shop, davidsampsonpodcast.com. And you can also ask a question. There is a chance that this week during the live show, we're going to do some sort of giveaway where someone's going to get some merch for answering a question. And that maybe you're going to get a piece of memorabilia. I haven't gotten Coca to approve it yet because especially I just thought of it, but I like doing contests. I like rewarding all the loyal people who watch this live at 8 a.m. on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. So here was the question that you asked. So you want to talk to Samson? You can ask questions in all sorts of ways to me. Hi, David. Hello. Do you think the announcement that Mike Trout isn't going to be traded hints towards Shohei returning to the Angels? That is a great question. Yesterday, the GM of the Angels said very clearly, Mike Trout is not getting traded 100%. Do you know who Mike Trout is? The guy who signed the extension? The guy who's been one of the best players in baseball, but he's hurt a lot, so he's not playing a lot, so he's really not still one of the top five players, but he's paid like one of the top five players, and the Angels have not won any playoff games with Mike Trout, they haven't been to the playoffs with Otani, that Mike Trout, the same Mike Trout who has a no trade clause, the same Mike Trout who has rights because he's been with the same team for five years and been in the league 10 years, that Mike Trout, who can't get traded if he doesn't want to leave. And it's been very clear that he doesn't want to leave, notwithstanding everyone in Philly saying, oh, I bet he wants to come home. And they and they Photoshop Mike Trout in a Phillies uniform. Mike Trout not being traded and Shohei Ohtani being on the Angels are not related because Mike Trout is not an angel because of Shohei Ohtani. Mike Trout was an angel prior to Shohei Otani. He'll be an angel post Shohei Otani, unless Shohei Otani signs this long-term deal with the angels. Mike Trout is very happy with his life as an Anaheim angel, for better or for worse. Speaking of which, Shohei Otani was offered a chance to be traded to a contender, not like the Eduardo Rodriguez situation where he was actually traded and then said no, But if Shohetani wanted to be traded to a contender last trade deadline, the Angels would have allowed it. They were dumping payroll to get below luxury tax anyway, and then have a chance to bring them back. People underestimate that players like you, they're just people. Sometimes they don't want to uproot their family. Do you know? That there are people on Wall Street to get offers all the time. Hey, do you want to go open the London office or do how about the Charlotte, North Carolina office? How about do you want to move to Houston? No, oh, no, I'm good. Better taxes increase, yeah, but I'm good. I got my family here. I got my domicile, my friends, my country club, whatever I have. I like my commute, my route. I like my lunch place. There are reasons why people don't want to move. Players are the same. So I don't correlate in any way Mike Trout staying and Shohei returning to the Angels. I've told you, and I'm on record, that I think Shohei stays with the Angels, not because of Mike Trout, because of a deal he had with the Angels. And as long as Artie Moreno matches whatever's out there, he's going to be an Angel. I mean, we'll find out, but not soon. All right. I don't really feel like giving more information about the MLB draft lottery. I don't want to do it. All right, fine. The Guardians had just a 2% chance of getting the number one pick. Everyone happy? Value added? Everyone happy in the chat? I think we're going to take a break because I got to get stuff after the break because there was some other cool stuff at the winter meetings. Before we go to break, you know going into the winter meetings whether you're going to be a star or not. You know whether you're going to be in with the free agents or not. And when you're not and you're just sitting there trying to look at tangential trades that the other teams are engaging with who are involved in top tier free agents don't even want to talk to you about because they're not ready to talk about it because they're focused on the free agents. You're basically sitting there eating pretzels, the little pretzels filled with peanut butter, some mints, and you're just sitting there. I don't know why I was Oh, the reason I was thinking about that is that after the break, there's a team, the Oakland A's, who had to start giving you a reason why they're not doing something. And they're not the only ones, because after the winter meetings, everyone's going to meet the media. Hey, what happened? And they're going to say, oh, this is good. Okay. I like when I say this is good before I've even said it, because I'm telling you it's good, and you may not think it's good. But in fact, I do like this. When you leave the winter meetings, you do have to meet the media one final time and you have to summarize your winter meetings. And if you haven't done anything, we don't let our GM say to our fan base, hey, what a waste of time, we didn't do anything. So what we did is we would say, have we gone to break yet? Anyway, what we did is we would have the GM say, we had a lot of irons in the fire. We came very close, but at the end of the day, nothing was perfect the way we wanted it, and we know we've got time until spring training because what you do is you start teasing the fact that we're going to do stuff, but we don't need to do it until spring training starts, and the team that starts spring training will not be the team that is on the roster today. So what you say at the end of the winter meetings when you did zero is, don't worry. It was all part of the plan. That's what you're supposed to do. After the break, you're going to hear about a team that – had a slightly different approach. All right, Coca, we'll be right back.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy A slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton bank and Celtic bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to nothing personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca live 8am nothing personal with David Sampson, YouTube channel. Thank you. We're not on max yet. Coca though. I'll be on max today because I'll be live with Levitard at nine, which will then be on max at 11, not live, but purportedly live, less than live. And DraftKings Network's also at 11, both places at 11. I watched a documentary very recently in the last day or two. It wasn't my movie of the day yesterday. I still watch a movie every day, which is staggering. I was up this morning, I I had a high school reunion last night, 37th high school reunion. That's a strange number. And it was done through Facebook and I found out about it. And my friend from the Cultural Exchange Club, who I went to high school with, Brett Parker, the one with Parkinson's who we raised money for, the one who gets talked about on the Levitard show all the time, one, two, three, Brett, that guy. So he planned and we there were about 25 or 30 people who went to a bar in New York City. And I must tell you, it was fantastic to see everybody. And Everybody was mostly recognizable. My high school class was 160 people. I went to Horace Mann. Yes, the school of, of very, very well-known people, most of whom are pedophiles. And it was very, very hard for me because I have Peter Pan syndrome. So I don't want to get old. I don't want to feel old. I don't do anything to look younger than I do. I just am lucky. I don't dye my hair. I don't do Botox. I don't do any of those things. I have a big damn wrinkle across my forehead. That's the fault of the, like the San Andreas fault. But you're talking to people, what are you up to? And now we're all obviously 55 years old. So you've got a couple of people divorced, a couple people married, a couple people with younger kids, a couple people with older kids, a couple of people trying to figure out their careers, trouble people going toward the end of their careers. Couple people trying to hang in there. Couple people who've said, eh, no need to hang in there anymore. The cool people who were cool in elementary school and high school, not as cool now. The people who weren't so cool, you're like, wow, you're really cool. Except when you're in high school and you're not cool, you feel like you'll never be cool, but it turns out you're the coolest of them all. And then you go back to the reunion with your chest puffed out, like, hey, I'm cool. Look at me. Meanwhile, I got home in time to watch a movie. It was a total. Crickets, in terms of post reunion activities, so this documentary is called Love Has One, and we're going to spend a minute on it. It's called The Cult of Mother God. There's a girl named Amy Carlson who was had two kids living her life and then disappeared, abandoned her kids because she found out, strangely enough, God bless her, that she was God, which is. Cool, like George Burns found out that he was God. John Denver found out that George Burns was God. Morgan Freeman's been God. And Bruce Almighty, a lot of people play God. A lot of people have a God complex. Who is it that you pray to when your wife is under the knife? You pray to me. I mean, that's not really how Alec Baldwin did it in Malice, but it's sort of like that. But this woman, Amy Carlson, is a real woman. Not a character in a movie. And she actually said, I'm God, Mother God, not the Father God. The Father God was the person she was having sex with. He was Father God. She had a lot of boyfriends and each one was Father God. Pretty cool, right? The first one was Father God. But then when she got sick of having sex with him, she said, Let's go to the next guy who I like. I was wrong. He's Father God. And the best part about Mother God and Father God is that you get people's money. So all of these people, go on YouTube, go on social media, and they see a commune where there's love, bare feet, hugging, and products to buy. They buy the products, and then some of them go live with Mother God because they believe that everything on earth is bad. All the material, it's like the beach with Leonardo DiCaprio, except they're not trying to go to an island and Create a community. They're doing it right in the United States, except they're driving back and forth because God says, "I think I want to live in California. How about Oregon? Hey, crikeys, how about Hawaii?" What I feel for are the kids and young adults who are so lost that they say, "This seems plausible. Let's go help her be Mother God." Now I gotta take all the money out of my account, all $800 I've saved, and give to her. But she's God. As you can tell, I'm not very pro-cult. The reason I'm not pro-cult is I don't get why the people who run the cults, A, have sex with everybody, and B, require your money to do it. Joel Osteen, cult. Pat Robertson, cult. Any religious leader, not all of them. Many of them where you're handing over money so they can be rich. Amy Carlson was the same thing. She was living this amazing life, buying all this stuff, spending all this money. And meanwhile, the people in her cult didn't have squat. Oh, wrong. They had love. They had purpose. They had spiritual awakenings. Guess what's happening now? Amy Carlson, not alive. Not because she committed any crimes, might I tell you. Because sadly she got sick, but the good news is, when you're Mother God, you don't need doctors or medicine or science. You can go full ayahuasca, Aaron Rodgers, drink a bunch of silver, and say, "Look, I'm better." Wait a minute, I'm dead. It's called Love Is One Cult of Mother God. I just gave you the entire three-hour mini-series documentary. I still think it's worth watching if you have time. Like you can watch it during your bowel movements. Not that it's poorly made, it's fantastically made, but it makes me sick. The Oakland A's are trying to explain to you why they lose over 100 games. And there are ways to explain it. We are rebuilding. We have uncertainty regarding our future. And this is the way it's going to be for now. But... It was only a few years ago that we had a great streak of winning and making the playoffs. We're now hurting, but we'll be back. The A's have a GM named David Forrest. Don't forget, they do not have Billy Bean. Billy Bean is not really involved. He used to be involved and say he wasn't involved. Now he's really not involved and says he's not involved. There's no way Billy Bean needs to be involved because basically you can go to med school and be the GM of the Oakland A's. Because here's what the Oakland A's are currently doing. Coca? <laughs> That's what the A's are doing. Crickets. Nothing. But why? So, what David Force, who's the GM, had to do is he had to actually say, according to John Shea of the San Francisco Chronicle, he actually had to say that we realized the limited resource provided by frugal owner John Fisher. (laughs) That's what John Shea said. What David Forrest said, and what he wants you to know is, it's very hard to sign players when we don't know where we're going to play. Remember, the A's don't know where they're playing in 2025, 26, or 27. They have no lease at the Oakland Coliseum. They only have a lease for 2024. They may play in Frisco. They may play in Oakland. They may play in Vegas. They may play in San Juan, Puerto Rico. No, that's just the Expos. They may, who knows? Maybe they'll play in Mexico City. The union wants them to play in one place. Baseball wants them to play in one place. If they leave Northern California, they lose their TV deal because the TV deal revenue, like sixty million a year, has nothing to do with how good your team is. It has nothing to do with your attendance. It is solely based on are there games broadcast in this home territory. But if they go to Vegas or don't play half their games in North Carolina in Northern California, then the TV deal goes away. But, Major League Baseball and the Oakland A's have not committed where they're going to play because they don't have a deal with the Oakland Coliseum, because they have so badly mistreated their relationship with Oakland, so badly, so short-sighted. Am I being critical of Dave Cavill, the president, and John Fisher, the owner, in this regard? You bet you're bippy, I am. I'm not critical that they leveraged Oakland to go to Vegas or leveraged Oakland to stay in Oakland. That's page two of the playbook. But if you're going to go scorched earth, you better have the plan. And the plan can't be, hey, We're gonna talk to baseball. Hey, we don't know. The GM, Dave Forrest is now saying we can't sign players to long-term deals because they don't know where they're gonna play. Let me bring you back to some of the negotiations I had with players where we were gonna overpay them in years and money. And here's another question they didn't ask. Forget that they didn't ask about the school system or the minor league system or any of that stuff or what the spring training facility was like. Hey, where are you gonna be playing? Nope. Graham Lloyd, great guy. I really like Graham Lloyd as a person. We signed him to a three-year, $9 million deal as an eighth-inning guy back in 2000. If you may have never heard of him, he was a Yankee, though. He was a really good lefty reliever, and we wanted someone to slot in behind Urbina because we were trying to win in Montreal our first year, and we overpaid for him and got yelled at. By the commissioner for signing that deal. Not that it was collusion, not that he's trying to hold down salaries. He was saying you're new to the game and you're already the biggest idiot in the game until we drafted and overpaid Grady Sizemore, which it turns out we didn't overpay, might I add. But if you're listening and somebody near you is, we had to take Grady Sizemore and pay him. Look at how good he was. How else could your guy Omar Minaya have traded him to Cleveland once they were a ward of the state? Coke, I'm not going to find my way home here. I am not going to find my way home, but I was really somewhere. What the hell were we talking about? Oh, Oakland. Wow. So players are not signing long-term deals with Oakland. David Forst is telling you because we don't know where we're going to be, so we can't tell the player where they're going to be. And that puts the horse in horse hockey. The reason why the A's are not signing long-term deals with players is they're not offering long-term deals to players because they don't want to waste money. They've got to have a payroll. The payroll, even if it's 60 or 70 million, you've got to have players. But why would you ever commit yourself to any player for a period of time when you really don't know what your revenue is going to be? So what he's saying is we don't know our payroll because we don't know our revenue. So therefore, players don't want to sign. What it really is, is that we don't know what our payroll is going to be because the owner has said if we don't have the TV money, then our payroll is going to go down because any money I lose, I want to go toward the ballpark, not in Vegas or Oakland, but not toward a payroll. So therefore, we're going to now be in a quote-unquote rebuilding stage for the next two to four years. We're going to lose a bunch of games, but we're going to tell people it's like Houston, it's like the Cubs, it's like the Orioles. We're going to be bad, and then we're going to be good just in time for 2028. But the PR people of Oakland said, let's get the GM out there and have him explain. I didn't buy the explanation. Meanwhile, while we were sleeping, Oakland dropped to number four in the lottery because they didn't get the right combination. And I don't know if you know this, um, their their rules, do you remember the CBA, the new CBA? And the Asians, Scott Boris particular through his mouthpiece, Max Scherzer, what they were arguing is that we don't want to promote tanking And so we're actually going to penalize people. And there was that whole fight during the lockout. How many teams can be eligible for the lottery? How many years in a row can teams be eligible for the lottery? Well, some of those rules got codified and the A's get revenue sharing. They've had a lottery pick two years in a row, which means they can't be in next year's lottery, which means no matter how bad they are, they will not get a pick higher than 10. Just a little nugget for you. In case you were wondering. I'll tell you what I'm wondering is how to win a parlay. We had the Bucs, Suns in a money line parlay. The Bucs crushed the Knicks, which means we won that bet. Bucks giving four and a half. How exactly, Coca, who makes the lines? How do the lines get made? How are the Bucs favored by four and a half points over the Knicks at home? Anyone? Bueller? Well, the Bucs crushed. I had the Suns as a dog beating the Lakers. And I lost that. So we're 183 and 175. And I made a mistake. And the mistake I made is I completely underestimated. I actually can't believe I didn't think of this. And it's so obvious. Of course, LeBron wanted to go to Vegas. The semifinals and the finals are in Vegas. They got to fly to Vegas after the game. They play the semifinal game against the Pelicans tomorrow night, Thursday, December 7th. And I thought the Suns would win. Durant, LeBron, Vegas, Vegas. The Lakers won the game. All right, tonight I'm giving you a pick. Why are the Heat getting three and a half from the Raptors? Is someone not playing? It doesn't matter to me who's not playing or who is playing. We're taking the Heat plus three and a half versus the Raptors. Speaking of Florida, Florida has a few things going on right now. Florida is still reeling still articles coming out. You're all still talking about it. I don't know why that FSU got robbed by the selection committee. Can't believe Nick Saban. Go listen to the show yesterday and I'll explain exactly why. I did explain why Nick Saban is Alabama or in the Sugar Bowl or in the Rose Bowl, whichever one they're playing in because I totally forgot which one. They're playing Michigan probably in the Rose Bowl if I had to guess because Rose Bowl used to be a Big Ten team. Anyway, people in Florida are very upset about FSU. And I told you the Florida legislature was looking at something to do legally to see if they could stop this from happening. And I laughed, but then it got even more ridiculous yesterday. Florida has a budget and There's a lot of pork in the budget. There's no question. That's an expression that means that in a state budget or in any budget, including your own company's budget, including your household budget, I assume you've got categories where, ah, if we have to skip that, if we have to cut that, we can cut that. It's sort of extra. We don't need blank. State budgets have the same thing. They are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages, obviously thousands of pages, actually. And Florida released a draft of its state budget yesterday, and in the state budget is $1 million. I can't tell you how small an allocation that is. It's It sounds crazy because it's a lot of money, but it's, it's it's. oh, come on, Coca. I only have five minutes left or six minutes left and my brain is done. What's it called when you do something for appearances only and it's done? I call it eyewash, but there's another word for it. A million dollars, budgeting a million dollars is merely meant for the legislators to let the people of Florida State, the Seminoles, and everybody around Florida know we care about you. We don't like being slighted, we're Florida. So they put a million dollars in, in case FSU, public school, decides to sue over the fact that it was left out of the CFP. And so the million dollars is for legal fees. Now, you have 50 lawyers starting with Sampson and Coca Law because I've already submitted my bid. I want the case because I want the million bucks. Just give me a million bucks and I'm gonna make up some BS motion. I'm gonna file a lawsuit because anyone could file a lawsuit in this country. You could file a lawsuit about, you don't like the way that you, someone else crossed the street in front of your car. I'm suing you. So lawyers are gonna get a million bucks to sue What's the cause of action? Hurt feelings? The damages. That's the ticket. You need damages. You got to convince a court that there's something to litigate. The money lost by FSU for not being in the CFP. The money that the ACC lost for not having represented the CFP. This is a travesty. We expect all our money back as though we were in the CFP. And by the way, we want money, treble damages, punitive damages, compensatory damages, because everybody's so sad on campus and we're taking up valuable oxygen by talking about it. (sighs) Congress is something. State legislators, federal legislators. There's hearings that happen all the time. It's them trying to say they're doing their job. I view when I vote for people, I want them to run the government. I want them to do what they said they were going to do when they're running for Congress or running for Senate or running for president. If you have a platform and then you execute your platform, and I voted for you for the very platform that you're executing, it's I have a hard time arguing with that when there are congressional hearings over things like steroids or over things like uh, the Redskins and the, uh, it's not the Redskins, excuse me, the commanders and their workplace environment because they're trying to make an example in order to try to get workplace sexual harassment to go away. So you make an example of a company or when you're worried about technological improvements or the fact that social media is taking over the world and the kids are somehow looking at videos that's hurting them, there's too much violence, there's too much sex, we're gonna have hearings, we're gonna look at regulation. Okay. If that's how you wanna spend your time, spend your time that way. Yesterday, Congress spent their time doing something that I view as important. Other people would view it as a complete waste. Congress had hearings where they brought the presidents of three universities to ask them about the rampant anti-Semitism on campus, the Islamophobia, all of the bad things that are going on college campuses that get hidden by college presidents, university presidents saying, hey, we're good here, it's free speech and we are a community of free speech. So there are hearings going on where they're speaking to the presidents and trying to figure out what's happening. 60 Minutes did a fantastic story on this last Sunday night. You can find it, I'm sure, on Paramount Plus or 60 Minutes, wherever you find that show. It's the first story. Actually, the entire show, Coco, was fantastic. It was uh, about Israel-Palestinian relationships on college campus between students And then it was about this crazy quantum computer that's gonna change the world. And then it was Greta Gerwig, who is the first woman to ever direct a billion dollar movie. That was 60 minutes with the talk, 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 which gives you anxiety on a Sunday night. And when you are before Congress, you get prepped. When Bud Selig was going before Congress to testify about steroids, prepped ad nauseum. Here's the questions that are coming. Here's how we're gonna answer. Here's what we're gonna do. What do you think the questions would be to these university presidents? Pretty simple questions. There was one specific, very easy question Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate your university's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying or harassment? Because on campus, there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of bullying, there's a lot of harassment, there's a lot of discomfort not just Harvard and Penn and MIT, though those were the teams that were there, but all over the place. And the simple question that was asked was, do you agree with this? Is this a violation? Because you're not allowed to allow for things that are a violation of your code of bullying or harassment. And each of the presidents in consultation with each other because they knew they were testifying, they got together, and they decided the best way to answer that question is to say, it depends on the context. If the speech turns to conduct, then it's a violation. So what they were saying is you can go around yelling that you hate Jews and you are anti-Semitic, but don't touch anyone because if you do, then that's bullying or harassment. I thought bullying could be done with words. It didn't have to be done with fisticuffs or with physical touching. But apparently, on these college campuses, it's only a violation of their code. You're only bullying if you actually act on the fact that you want genocide for the Jews or you want to be anti-Semitic. You can say whatever you want. That's free speech. And that's gone over not that well. Why hasn't it gone over well? Because when you have an opportunity to answer a direct question from Congress or from your child, or from your coworker, and you're asked a very simple question on whether or not calling for the genocide of anybody, not just Jews, is calling for the death of a group of people based on religion or location, is that wrong? Wouldn't it be nice one time for someone to stand up and say, yeah, it's just wrong? Didn't happen yesterday. We'll be back tomorrow with a lot of news about the winter meetings because they end today. And I promise you, you're not gonna hear this tomorrow. Because we bought the rights to use that sound for one day because it's just business. This is nothing personal.